it's the industry mentors that is going to make an impact in your career. That's my experience. Don't be afraid of reaching out to the likes of the leaders in the industry. Do not be afraid to do that because if you want to really move forward in your career, you need to step forward. And the mentors will actually appreciate your passion. This podcast is brought to you by Merksec, the specialists in security, search, and recruitment solutions. Visit Merksec.com to connect today. Welcome to Destination Cyber, the podcast where we sit down with cyber industry leaders and movers and shakers and find out what makes them tick. We explore their careers, the mistakes they made, trials and tribulations, lessons learnt, and the invaluable insights and knowledge they've picked up along the way. Now here's your host, Lachlan Korn. Yi Yang began his career as a police officer with the Singaporean Police Coast Guard Division. From here, he became involved in a variety of organizations such as RSA, EMC, Verizon, Hewlett and Parkad, Enterprise, and Ernst and Young. Yang now spends his time at CGI, in which he provides advice on identifying, detecting, preventing, and responding to cybersecurity events, while at the same time minimizing any impact on human life. Let's take a deeper dive into Yang's experiences in the in this diverse industry field. I'm your host Logan Korn, and this is Destination Cyber. Hello, Yang. How are you going today? I'm good, thank you. That is good. Let's start straight into it because there's a lot to talk about today. So can you give me a bit of an outline just about what you are currently doing now as your job career and give us a bit of a summation of that role? Mm, no, no problems at all. Currently, I'm the CTO, which is the Chief Technology Officer for Cybersecurity in this company, CGI. And we are headquartered in Montreal in Canada. However, we have got offices and footprints all, all around the world. My previous role prior to the CTO role is I manage a team of about 100 staff members in Melbourne and as well as Hobart, and also managing cybersecurity across Australia as well. So I'm responsible for driving cybersecurity strategy for CGI across Australia, building credibility, and also generating revenue opportunities for the organization. On top of that, forging also partnerships Obviously, we can't provide an end-to-end outcome to everyone. Therefore, we need to bring in partnerships to help us deliver that outcome to clients. And also more interestingly, driving sponsorship from a security innovation perspective and also awareness for security in public forums such as this. Wow. It's a, it seems like a very full-on career. Is this, is this, so this job compiles of a few different pieces and cogs, how, what kind of skills then would be required for you to complete your current job? Yeah. So the skill sets are very, very, to be honest. Me, I think what is very important is to obviously have a sense of curiosity, right? And also a passion for what we all do. Uh, or well, at least you do, right, from a cyber perspective. Like, for me, mm. I'm curious about what's happening in the cyber world. And currently, obviously, there is a war raging on in the north and how that's going to impact and how that's going to change the security landscape for all of us in terms of, obviously, the alliances 
global alliances, different countries that align with each other, and how those adversaries will then use cybersecurity tactics against the other the other allies. So this is also something that I'm very curious about, and I deep dive quite a lot in it. So curiosity is a main skill set, at least a, 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 some sort of aptitude that actually drives the interest forward into the greater world of cyber. And it's a very relevant field, as we both know. And I guess I want to try bring it back to where it all first began. So did your interest in this cybersecurity world, where did that come from initially? Yeah, it started out as a, <laughs> when I was very much younger, Lachlan, back in Singapore, when we've got reconscription. So I was, I was deployed into the police coast guard and I was 18. And that's where I got thrust into the world of law enforcement. So I built that love for law enforcement, upholding the law and as well as maintaining the security and lives of citizens that's living in Singapore, protecting the borders. Singapore is very close. Obviously, there's very strategic location, very close borders with Indonesia and Malaysia. And those borders are in constant dispute of <laughs> provide the, the, from a legal perspective and law enforcement from a physical perspective as well. So that passion sat with me and it's transformed into a cyber perspective, right? In terms of looking after the well-being of organizations so that it wouldn't be attacked by hackers in the wild, protecting, defending the organization against those adversaries. So it's very much in those lines of fire, uh, detect and response methodology as well, in my perspective. So I've managed to transform from that passion into a cybersecurity passion. Mm. And did you deal with a lot of cyber and IT systems in this sort of police policing role? Or how did you become interested if it wasn't perhaps apparent in the policing role that how did you get into the actual more IT cyber side? Yeah, I did the uh, the conscription. That was about two and a half years. And I've decided, look, you look what, I really love law enforcement, but I want to, I know there's a more of a wider perspective that I need to find. So I went to university, I came to university, Monash University here in Australia. I did my, my undergraduate first class honors, and then I did six months of PhD, now all focusing on network computing. And as I did my, because I knew that cyber is something that can be, can maintain my passion for law enforcement. So that's why I went into the field of cryptography. So I also published a paper in cryptography on, at a very, this is going back in the year 2000, where cryptographic algorithms are just coming up in cash payments. So I've wrote a thesis on cryptography algorithms efficiency in smart cards, uh, smart card payment in a uni university environment. So I've got awarded a scholarship for PhD, but I could only maintain my uh, writing papers. Is it's not as interesting as working out working in the uh, in the industry. So mm. after six months, I gave up my PhD and I decided to come into the industry in an IT industry and started out as a, as a code cutter. And again, it's not that exciting uh, to me. And I knew in my mind that I really wanted to do cyber. So I, I, I joined this company which uh, deals with security uh, vulnerability patching, and it's mm -hmm. a locally based company. And from then I worked towards a, a cyber target. And I've always 
wanted to work with people as law enforcement is you actually get to interact with a lot of people, good and bad people. So from a, so I became a technical consultant for that company and I built my career from that role at a very, very early age. And I've got to ask this, you were saying code cutter? Is that what, what is that? What is that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, code cutting is uh, in an old term, like when the websites, when I, what, what I used to do is I used to, they all obviously generated out of HTML coding. So the, oh, back in the old days, there wasn't any front-end code, code generation. Mm-hmm. So in terms of code, building code, writing HTML code, cutting and pasting, making sure that the presentation on the web page is, is up to scratch. So that's basically code cutting, very low level and very mundane, to be absolutely honest. Okay, okay. So did you take that position for more of the sake of just getting a foothold into the industry? That's exactly or... right. Okay. Yeah. Then I went into, from that, that then I thought uh, this is not the right place to be. And I knew there was more exciting domains that are out there that I could latch my teeth on it. So that's what I did. And with those new sort of, as we progress through your journey in the career, obviously there is that, that coding side. And I've, I have to ask, is there that also there's that legal background as well? How would you compare the ratios? Would you say that there was, say, out of your work and out of the different jobs you've done, would it be seventy percent coding, thirty percent legal, fifty-fifty? How would you balance that ratio? Yeah, so there's a few there's a few domains. Obviously, le- legalities is quite a big part of it. I would imagine it to be very thirty-thirty. Now, I would say thirty percent of the role is, or at least where the cyber industry you need to be aware of, is the governance, risk, and compliance. So the governance, risk, and compliance is very much tightly coupled with the legality side of things. Mm-hmm. So in terms of finding out of the extent of the reporting to compliance to a regulatory body, that in terms of complying to government frameworks, any kind of any kind of certification that you might have from an organization perspective, you'll need to stick to that, right? For example, GDPR is, is very heavily steeped in privacy as well. So you need to be, if you're working in the cyber and information technology side of things, you need to be adhering to those compliance and legal obligations. And okay. also as a board of a company, every board director has got an obligation to protect organization's interests and to reduce risk. If not, obviously, then there will be repercussions. Now, in the US, there is this, there is this approach which is quite aggressive and quite harsh. Is they've got this name and shame kind of situation where your, if your company or organization gets hacked, you will your CEO and CIO and SISO will be placed on this bulletin, some sort of like a broadcast. Mm-hmm. It's like a name and shame thing, but whereas in Australia, it's slightly different. It's more reach out for help and the state government or the government, the ACSC will help you out in controlling, obviously defending against a cyber attack. So it's more of a nurturing and reach out for help rather than a name and shame kind of approach. So that's just 30% of it. And then the other 30% is the likes of your threat hunting, uh, security landscape, those really 
when you go to the pub and you talk to friends and obviously people that you start to get to know, you talk to them about cyber, you talk about these interesting things like threat hunting and cybersecurity and dark web. So that's the mm. other 30% of it. The other 30% is obviously leadership in terms of providing things like talking to, to people, awareness, mentoring, and so on, and building that next generation of cyber talents so that, you know what, I may be out of industry in the next 15 years, but I need to, it's in my interest to make sure that there's enough talents mm. to take over my position as a CTO in the <laughs> industry. Definitely. Okay, so there's a bit of a broader range of skill sets and knowledge that one has to obtain to enter into this field. And there are, like you were talking about, the different 30% and the different careers that sort of complement those skill sets. With the sort of government's risk and compliance legality, would someone who would perhaps doing a, a law degree already and maybe mm. haven't considered cyber, would that be something that they would thrive yeah. in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's obviously different organizations, different countries have got different law laws and regulations. So in, the, in, in Europe, there would be the GDPR. So in terms of privacy, learning about how GDPR works, how data being transferred to different countries will have certain restrictions, data processing, different sensitivities from officially to be public, publicly available information into the likes of top secret if you're working in a highly sensitive environment. So those risk factors and legal frameworks need to be, obviously needs to be learned and onboarded in, from a legal perspective. And the repercussion as well of if you're not compliant, what is the impact? Is it a financial impact or is it more of a jail term and more more harsh, harsher punishments and so on and so forth? So that basically goes right into the legal, legal side of things. Would you think that picking up these, this information about both cybersecurity and the, in, the information systems, is that a difficult thing for someone to pick up? Would you have to have a background or at least some sort of degree? or some sort of course that would give mm. you a background in security? Or is it more open and people just assume that it's probably a bit more technicalities? Yeah, so there's a, a larger part of cyber is, is technical, like the other 30 plus 30, but only 30% mm. is, I would imagine, to, to would be governance, risk and compliance, which you can learn if you've got a law degree. The likes of once you've, you, you've attained your bachelor in law, um, you, or if there's any modules that you're focusing on uh, specifically on cyber, you might take that module or you might take certain industry certification that will steer you towards that the legal auditor governance risk and compliance kind of arena where you've got your, for example, there's this very popular information security management systems called the ISO 27001. So there's certain certification that you may actually embark on it's not a technical certification it's more of a governance risk and compliance certification augment your already your legal bachelor degree that might augment it in such a way that will provide you with that view that you can use your base as your as a legal profession and moving towards the cyber in that in that governance risk and compliance very interesting i guess switching gears a little bit to your personal career what kind of challenges did you experience either along your way or in a specific position and where did you find them consistent or were they always unique 
to their own sort of experience. And if you could share a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, for me, looking back at my career, and I've always, when I was a director and young, I've always encouraged or mentored my the interns and what we call in vacationers is you always have to set a goal. Even, even during university, you need to set a goal. But let's just start from a base of when you graduate from university, you need to already have a goal in mind of where you're going to be in 10 years' time. Not many people actually have that. And I've learned, like for me, I was just enjoying myself after uni. I'm a consultant. The company sent me around the world, very interesting places from Papua New Guinea to Texas and Dallas, so all over the world, right? And I was living this life of consulting, traveling, dealing with clients, talking about cyber and delivering cyber outcomes for clients. However, I didn't really have a goal in mind, right? So throughout till my 30s, and I thought, actually, am I, there has to be like something that I really want to do. And based then I just sat down one day, I charted out my career, I pulled all my qualifications together and the current qualifications where I needed to be with what kind of qualifications I need to get me there, what kind of sponsorship I need, what kind of mentoring I require. Even if it's, if it's a external mentor, you can get internal mentors because you already have the a relationship, but it's the industry mentors that is going to make an impact in your career. Uh, that's mm. how I, that's my experience. So don't be afraid of reaching out to the likes of the leaders in the leaders in the industry, I've reached out to some of them and you can reach out to 10 and only one would give you his or her time. But do not be afraid to do that because if you're really, if you want to really move forward in, in your career, you need to, you need to step forward. And the mentors will actually appreciate your passion. Like for me, I appreciate passionate graduates who come up to me and can I get some mentoring? And only if I've got that amount of time, because I have, do have mentees currently, mm-hmm. if I have extra time, I would definitely give some time to basically nurture, even though if it's not a, if it's not at a frequency of every week, or every fortnight, but I'll still basically give some advice, which then will kick off the, my career, right? So I, my advice is obviously have a goal, right? Know where you want to be, even after university. Now, uh, you, the goals can change all the time. The goals can change, and they do sometimes. But at least you know there's a target. And when you're hitting that, when you know there's a target, you know where to steer it towards rather mm. than just aimlessly just floundering and not knowing what you want to do in 10, 10 years' time. And were you able to direct those goals based on searching up or what the sort of more senior slash more experienced positions are? Or was it based on asking? current people who are in those positions like how would you know and how did you find out what position your or goals you wanted to aspire to yeah so passion and aspiration right for me since young like i mentioned i love dealing with people so in terms of my strong suit i've always wanted to build something that is tangible and something that i, that I could look back and i say you know what i built that and i'm really proud of it so people management is something that I know that it will steer me towards the building. Now, it, it can actually mean for you that if you're building something, means that you're building a technology for innovation. That's something that you like to build. That's so why you look back that I've done that. So from a technical perspective, you can steer towards that. But from a people and organizational perspective, which is what I'm really passionate about, and you need to really ask yourself, you sit down, re- ask yourself 
asks really hard questions, right? Really mm. uncomfortable. That means that moving outside your comfort zone, right? Really uncomfortable. But where, even though if it's uncomfortable, it is your passion, that discomfort will actually mean that you grow. So from that, then you start to chart, you know, and then where you want to be, you think, okay, I'm uncomfortable. Can I be a CTO? Can I be a CISO? CTO is like a chief technology officer. CISO mm -hmm. is chief information security officer. Or would you like to be a CEO? These are the things that you need to target yourself and build that building blocks to get there and ask yourself difficult questions. It's definitely a very mature way of looking at things. You, know, you obviously have a lot of experience as both a mentor and in a very senior position. Through your career pathway, how would you advise a student or someone who's interested in the industry? How would you recommend they start, especially if they're wanting to perhaps have similar goals to that of you and how you were talking about the kids wanting to come and take your role eventually as in a time ahead of um, in the future? But how mm -hmm. would you recommend a student would go about then, then starting? Where would they go once they finish uni or when maybe they're interested after high school or even in TAFE or yeah. maybe they just thought about it? Well, what, would be the, what would be the right or correct thing to go about doing where you're yeah. going to? So there, there, definitely there are roles out there. In, like the cyber market is just starved of talents, right? And, and right now we do not have that supply base. And if you're in a technical and IT degree or just or have an IT degree and have this really have a passion or have this interest and curiosity towards cyber. So my advice is, you know what, you can get a, an IT job and move towards like, for example, if you're a cloud consultant, you know, or you're an IT consultant, you're a data mm. analytics consultant or analyst who has this curiosity about cyber work in your current role, but never failing to obviously move towards the cyber bent, right? Find out during your off time, read about articles, how data analytics or cloud is related to cyber, vice versa, because I can assure you every single technology, every vertical sector, industry sector has got cyber in it. So have that sense of curiosity and move towards that. If, you've, if you're in an you know, IT techno technology environment, there are a lot of roles out there currently um, for security operations analysts sitting in a uh, security operations center, learning how to hunt for threats in a dark web, learning how to look at alerts and analyze and correlate those alerts against threats mm -hmm. and alerting, alerting the, uh, the security manager that it's a real threat rather than just a, a false positive. So there are lot, lots of jobs out there. And that will give you a base to understand those hackers, right? They're trying to penetrate into your, the organization's borders they'll give you a view on how it all starts, right? Then, uh, and then to the likes of even talking about different industry, right, Lachlan, I was an ex-cop. People in law enforcement have an interest in cyber, people in emergency services, people in those em uh, people in roles such as the medical staff, they're in the front mm. line and are able to think methodically in stressful situation and have an interest in cyber. You know, move towards cyber. Pick up a role, pick up a role that that has got a, a, a cyber analyst um, title to it, and you soon realize that your trait of re, uh, responding in a calm and methodical manner 
does go a long way in the cyber in, in the cyber industry. That definitely that definitely makes sense. Could you give me a bit of an explanation about how your role fits into the wider society, how your role functions and, and what mm-hmm. the future of that role will turn into? Yeah, so there's a lot of right now my focus is critical infrastructure. So the likes of power and utilities, water supply, energy generation, the distribution of energy as well, providing advice to my clients on how to obtain the supply of water, even though there's a, there's a cyber attack. Very relevant in the geopolitical political landscape currently. Currently, I'm actually focusing on that. Now, in, in terms of moving towards in the future, right? How is it basically relevant? I actually see that things are moving into that metaverse side of things, right? Moving mm-hmm. into the artificial intelligence side of things. So my focus is going to change into that because as the adversaries change their approach, we will also be, need to be changing and adapting to that approach as well. So more increasingly, the adversaries are looking at automating cyber attack, causing havoc, causing destabilizing our energy generation and water supply. How do we counter them? So we will also need to use automation to counter those attacks. So I would see my focus changing from a subject matter expert expert perspective. But from my career and in terms of in the organization as a CTO, how I'll move, the obviously as a senior, as a chief technology officer, I can, I can perhaps move laterally uh, into a sizable role, more of a governance, risk, and compliance, like you say, the legal perspective as well, moving into that area. But again, it depends on what I'm really interested in, right? I want to move into an area that I'm really passionate about because I know I, through passion, you can gain excellence. That's what I see here. No, interesting. I guess I'm really interesting about the whole critical infrastructure where you speak about even things people don't, I don't think on a general basis, think of, oh, cyber attack on water supply. And how does that affect each other? People, I don't think about that on a day-to-day basis. It's good to get a glimpse of that. Um, would you say that the cybersecurity has a very diverse range of opportunities? Or is it once you get into like you talk about moving laterally, right? So yeah. would you say that it's very, once you stick a path, there are options within that path, but generally that path is where you stick to? Or like you're saying, is it much more horizontally structured where there's so many different avenues yeah. despite only having maybe certain experience in one side of That's that right. cyber? That's right. It is very broad. There are, in total, when I took my, there's this certification that I took. It was actually the, uh, the Certified Information Security System Security Professionals, CISP. So that that is, it gives me an industry view on how many domains there are out there currently for cyber, and that's quite it's quite broad. There's about like twelve to thirteen domains. I knew, I, and that <laughs> I took my certification about fifteen years ago. I know it's changed now, but I, as I recall from some of my mentees, they're going into about, what, 13 or 14 domains, so it's increased. Mm. So it's very broad. If you you decide to focus on one domain, for example, identity and access management, 
um, that if that's something they're interested in, then uh, then go for it. There's other domains like governance, risk, and compliance. That's more of the legal perspective, writing documents, assessing risk, more of a, not a technical, but more of an overarching focus in that domain. So it's very wide and varied. Now, to be, it is almost impossible to be an expert in everything, to mm. be absolutely honest. Like for me, I've been 25 years in cyber. I'm not experts on everything. I, as an architect and a CTO, I know everything, but not everything in depth. So I rely on my team to deep dive in certain aspects of it, technical aspects of those domains. And they'll give me a view on what their thoughts are and what their point of view is. And then I'll then form my position and point of view. So it is very important to know that if you are an architect and you think that, okay, I want to be an architect, a security architect, you need to know everything, but not in depth. But through that, you can pick your own in-depth focus. But I think to be an expert in all of those domains is quite difficult, I should say. Definitely. Through your experience throughout your career, obviously you've had a wider range of jobs. How did you find out some quality information? Because of course there are those sort of websites that sort of are a bit more cryptic about what is actually entailed within a job. And that can be a bit confusing to people who are trying to figure out, oh, I like this sound of this job. Let's see what it's about. And then it just doesn't really give you the full picture. Is there any tips that you would recommend and how one could find some quality information? Yeah. So the best is through finding a mentor, the industry mentor, because an industry mentor will be able to say, all right, this role consists of this. Are you really interested in this? So mentoring is one, one good thing. The other one is obviously through forums. So from talent forums that you go into right now, I think as things are opening up post COVID, there's got, there's a lot of face-to-face opportunities and join associations as well, right? In Australia, there's the Australian, you know, uh, called ASA. I don't know whether. Actually, no, I haven't heard of it. Is Australian Information Security Association. So join that. I think it's about 70 or 80 bucks a year. And what that does is it creates that forum and your cybersecurity cohort as well across Australia. And you meet the likes of CISO, CTOs to the likes of what's in there. And they have career planning and coaching forums as well that you could take advantage of. So that that is a really good source. Okay, well, that is good to know. I'm going to be signing up for that one pretty quickly. Lovely. I really appreciate the time that you've come to take into talking to us about your experiences in the cyber world and your journeys throughout. It's been very engaging and I've definitely taken away a lot and I'm sure the audience that are listening to would also have taken away a lot. So thank you for coming on. No problems. A pleasure. This has been another KBI Media Production.